0: you all so much. We're going to read the Word of God. You can remain standing for just one, one moment. <laughs> I don't know all the etiquettes here, but thank you so much. You're so gracious. And we Uh, This church has been a part of our ministry for many, many, many years, and of course, uh, Pastor Randy and Darla have been friends and mentors of ours for many, many years, so thank you for everything that you do for for all of us um, who are trying to get the gospel out to the nations of the world. We're going to look in Revelation chapter 2, and just one verse this morning to start with. We'll um, be over in Galatians in a little bit, but let's just start in Revelation chapter 2. In verse 17, Jesus is speaking here, of course. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How many of you want to hear what Jesus is saying, what the Spirit is saying today? So open our ears, Father, please. To him who overcomes, another translation says, to him who is victorious, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him A white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Lord, we do pray that you'd bless your word today and that, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, not the ideas of a man, but, Lord, revelation would come from your Holy Spirit. Our hearts are hungry for truth. And Lord, by your grace, we'll respond to that truth today. We open our lives to you, speak to us, open our ears, talk to us, reveal the glory and the truth of God to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You can have a seat. Hey, as we get started here this morning, you probably are aware that we do, Pastor said, Minister Mary and I do on, on the college campuses, we're directly Responsible for about 30, 25, 30 campuses throughout Texas and New Mexico, and then have friends that are scattered all over the world, of course, but around the nation. If you have a college student, a university student in your life, a son, a grandson, a daughter, granddaughter, a neighbor's friend, somebody like that, that um, you're concerned about. You want them to be plugged into Christian community. That's what Chi Alpha is. It's the um, extension of the church on the secular university campus. And we've got friends everywhere. So if you have somebody you want us to follow up on, uh, reach out to make sure that they have an invitation to something like this, a worship service on a college campus, then come talk to us after the service and give us whatever you feel comfortable giving us, a name, a phone number, Uh, social media contact, anything like that. And we'll we'll do our best to make sure they get an invitation to be a part of Christian community on campus. The only way they're gonna make it in their faith in that kind of environment is to be connected to community. And if they are connected to community, they won't just survive, but they can actually thrive and grow in the grace and knowledge of God. So make sure you get us their contact information and we'll follow up. Mary's up here at the front too. So Mary, just stand up real quick if you don't mind. And... You guys, Thank you. yeah, so um, get us that and, and we'll make sure that we follow up and make sure they have opportunity. I'm thinking about names this morning. I had a, um, well, I'll say it this way. In, in kind of our culture, we, we, tend to, we tend to give names not so much based upon um, Real meaning behind the names, names generally to us are just um, a way to identify somebody and we want them to sound good, you know, so I have a, I have a granddaughter and um, my son-in-law's last name is Pitt and so you got to be careful what name you put with a last name Pitt. You don't name a girl Cherry Pitt, so we call her Heidi, that's a little better, um, I got another friend, his name is J.C. Lacey. (laughs) Totally unchurched, he just got saved recently, but his parents weren't naming him Jesus Christ, they just named him J.C. because it rhymed with Lacey. And he's a a college football player and he's either gonna be a televangelist or a a NFL star, I don't know, J.C. Lacey, it's a good name, it flows. And that's kinda the way we name folks, that's what names tend to mean to us. We think about how it sounds and are they gonna get made fun of when they go to school, right? Some of you are Christian folks, and you try to pick a name that might have some meaning, but even then, you're, you're, you're just hoping maybe that your boy or your girl will grow into that name that, that has significance to you. I think the closest thing in our culture that we have to a, a meaningful name would be a nickname. So I don't, I don't know if anybody in here has a nickname that they're able to share. We'll keep it PG, please. Maybe maybe your friends saw something in you, or your family saw something in you that was uh, distinguished from other folks. Most of the time, it's like an outward characteristic. I had a kid that I went to school with. Everybody called him Brows. He actually only had one eyebrow that went all the way across his face, so we called him Brows. I'm, I'm a redhead. In in the 70s, you know, you you know, people could make fun of people still without too much. Uh, pushback in school, and so I've been called everything from Woody Woodpecker to Bozo the Clown to Carrot Top, and none of those are very honorific, but but it it defines something. You know, if you've got red hair, then you've got to endure that. It's it's a defining characteristic, and we could, um, you know, Two Tall Jones, or we could come up with all kind of, you know, outward things. Uh, George Strait sang a song about his old girlfriend, Dimples, who lived in Temple, who's got the law looking for me, right? Some of you remember that. Might be a few in the house that could go so far back as Jim Croce sang a song about Big Jim. You don't mess around with Big Jim. Anybody remember that? You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. You don't pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger. You don't mess around with Jim until a country boy named Slim showed up. Big Jim stole his money and... And by the end of the song, Big Jim's dethroned and you don't mess around with Slim, all right? So, but you understand what I'm saying? These dimples or Slim or Big Jim, they, they kind of paint a picture of maybe who somebody is. And sometimes we, we kind of mock it. I got another friend um, that is six foot six and 350 pounds and we call him Little John, <laughs> you see? But it, it, it kind of paints an image. But then every now and then, a nickname will go a little closer to not just an external characteristic, but maybe it'll define some action, or maybe even get a little closer to defining inward character. It's rare, but sometimes we might call somebody Slowpoke. That means something. Conversely, you might call them Speedy, or Lucky, or Trigger Finger, or Crazy Legs, or Clutch, or... Iceman, these, these kind of get a little bit closer to meaning something. What I'm getting around to say here is that in the Bible, a true name, a real name, is actually a picture into someone's soul. A real name is, is the name that defines somebody's character. It's like a symbol or a picture of who they are on the inside. And who can, who can actually really give a name? Again, we, as parents, we try to give names to our kids, but who can actually give a proper name that would perfectly describe and define who we are? Well, only God could do that, right? Because he's the only one that can actually look inside of us. And this scripture in Revelation chapter 2 is a promise from God. To him who overcomes... God says, I will give a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. That God actually has a dream for us to give us one day this white stone and that it's all kind of speculation about what that would be. Probably it's some sort of the word is used for something that would be maybe found in a ladies in a ring. So gentlemen like in a signet ring, maybe some of you have a collegiate ring, something like that, or a pendant, or maybe even a a jewel and a crown, but there'd be this white stone that would be given, white because it's pure, the stone because it lasts forever, but more than any of that, there's a name inscribed on it. And that name is God's idea about who you are. That name is God's definition of who you are. It's his description, not just of who you are, I wanna I wanna back up on that a little bit because it's really his description of who he made you to be. Now, when do you receive it? Only when you overcome. Why not now? Like why not why not why not now? Because you and I aren't that yet. And if God were, does God know the name? Of course, God knows the name. When he knit us together in our mother's womb, 50 years ago for me, I'm 50 years old, when he put me together in my mother's womb, God had a dream for my life. And he had a name in mind for me that wasn't Eli. Eli's what my mom gave me, trying her best, but God had a name for me. And I'm not that yet. I've not become that yet. And it's not about outward things, it's about inward things. But one day, by the grace of God, if I overcome, God's gonna give me that white stone with that name that perfectly defines everything about who he made me to be, who he dreamt for me to become 50 years ago, and all this time he's been forming. Think about this, think about Jeremiah going down to the potter's house and that, that clay that's in the potter's hands. Our hearts and our characters should be, if we're Christians, being formed by God to bring us to that place Where he's going to give us that name that's indescribable right now. In other words, if he were to tell you what it is right now, you wouldn't even understand it. Because you're not that yet. But God has a dream for your life. To become something that would blow your mind if you saw it right now. So the question becomes, are we actually becoming? I want to overcome. How about you? The implication is that there will be those who will not receive a white stone with a new name on it, and I want to be what God wants me to be. You see, God has a dream for us. He has a dream for us to become that thing, and then to reflect his image. One commentator said that this verse is actually the essence of Christianity, because it pulls out two very important things. It pulls out each man or each woman's individual relationship with God. Aren't you glad God doesn't just lump us in with everybody else? He talks about nations and nations will be judged, but he doesn't just think of us as a nation. He thinks of us as individuals. He knows us by name. He knows the number of hair on our head. And he has a dream, he has a hope for each one of us to become something. This is so meaningful to me right now because I've I've been wrestling actually for some time with some um, thoughts about the future and I'll I'll be honest with you, vulnerable a little bit. Um, There's a few times generally in most people's lives that they really wrestle with what the future ought to look like. One is when you're you're young and you're trying to figure out who God made me to be, what am I going to do? And this actually verse was very powerful to me about 25 years ago and I feel like I'm having to relearn it again now because uh, as I said I'm 50 years old and there's there's about three or four or maybe five different paths in front of me right now that I got to make some decisions about and I'm really trying to discern the voice of the Lord about that and and I think for a lot of people that's true and then there's another stage in life about retirement age some of you might it looks like be there perhaps and and you're, you're trying to think through some things and hear the voice of God. Anybody understand what I'm saying? Now, not everybody's in that state right now, but for those of you who are, you'll appreciate this. I'm, I'm, I'm asking God to talk to me and, and lead me, and what, I'm basically saying, what am I supposed to do? And this truth that I'm trying to share with you this morning, the Lord's gonna help us here before it's over, kind of get it out, is, is the reality is, God's saying, Eli, it's not quite as important what you're going to do is it is who you're going to become. And as I'm looking at multiple paths, God's saying, I can, I can form and shape you on any of those paths. Now, that, that's true as long as we're not disobedient to God. So that's another sermon. But you understand what I'm saying? Are you tracking with me? So what God is most interested in is character formation, heart formation. And then as we become that, then out of the overflow of who we are, God can do all kind of stuff. But there's a lot of folks that are looking for some solution externally and saying, man, if we had a better political system, if we had better, I'm, I'm not going to get all into that, but you understand what I'm saying. We, 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 we want something to change out there, but what, what God wants is for something to change in here. There's a fellow named G.K. Chesterton, he actually was asked to write an essay or on what's wrong with the world. That was the title of his essay, What's Wrong with the World? And his first thought was, I could list about a hundred things, and it's going to be a long essay, but he actually wrote his essay. It was two words. You know what he said? What's wrong with the world? He said, I am. Yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. In other words, what I'm saying is that God's dream is for you and I to become that thing that he dreamt when he first formed us, that he's still trying to do in our hearts so that, can you imagine if a few million, just a few million Christians in the U.S. would become what God hoped that we would become? Can you imagine what that salt and light would do to transform our nation? we got to become something. We got, God's got a dream for us. And the dream is to become so that we can reflect. And so it kind of goes like this. There's a, there's a place in your heart, that only God can go. Because, you know, God actually made us in his image. So I was, you know, um, knit and formed together in, in my mother's womb. Um, most people would have called me an accident. Can I tell you, you're not an accident? Do you, know, you know that, right? You're not an accident, regardless of your circumstances, of your birth. God puts you together, and he put a piece of his image in you that he didn't put in anybody else. He put a piece of his character in you that he didn't put in anybody else. Nobody else can become what God dreams for you to become. Now here's what's interesting about this. Uh, Mary's on the front row here and she, she's been my best friend for 32 years now. We've been married 29 years, we newer three years before we got married. And I know her better than I know anybody else. But there's gonna come a day when she's going to get a new name, her, her name Mary actually means bitter. And if you know her, she is not bitter. So it's, it's a good name, Mary, the mother of our Lord. It's a good name, but that's actually what it means. It means bitter. And that's not who she is, but God's, going to give, God's got a dream for her. And she's going to receive a new name. And here's what blows my mind, Pastor. I don't, I'll never know her name. Did you catch that? It said known only to him who receives it. I've known her for 32 years. I feel like I'm closer to her than anybody, but she's got her own relationship with God. Some of you got some of you got children, and you could, you tried to name them as best you can, but God's got a dream for them, and He's going to give them a name one day that perfectly describes everything they are and who they were meant to become. And you, that's between her or him and God, isn't that? Isn't that? Does that blow your mind a little bit? That, that's, I don't even know how to think about that. But the, the point of that is this, that not only do we have our individual relationship with God, but we have our peculiar relationship with God. In other words, what I'm trying to say here is that you're different than anybody else. God made you to reflect a piece of his character that nobody else can reflect. And if you don't allow God to go into that deep place in your heart that only he can go... Everybody else suffers because we miss a piece of God's character that nobody else can reflect, only you can reflect. So some of you remember in the Old Testament, the high priest would go into the holy of holies, the secret place, and only the high priest could go in there. So here's what I'm trying to say. Only God can go into that secret place in your heart, and guess what? If you think about God's heart filling the universe, there's a secret place in God's heart that only you can go. Nobody else can go. It's kind of like a, a little piece of that holy of holies that only you can go. And you go in there and you become that thing God meant for you to become. And you come out, not as a high priest, but now as a prophet to your brothers and sisters. I got a picture I want to show you. This is, um, this is a group of guys I spent the last week with. If... Um, we can get that up on the screen. Forgive the casual attire. We're, we're actually at the beach, as you can see there. But these are, these are all friends of mine that I've known for quite some time. These are actually young missionaries that are serving on college campuses. And I, I, won't, I won't bore you with all of them and all of their names, but that, that fellow right next to me is Jason Bell. He's a pastor now at Sam Houston State University. I've known him for 25 years. Jason is the epitome of the steadiness and faithfulness of God. Like steadiness of character. There's there's just, he's so steady. What he reminds me of is that God never changes. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus is. That's what he reminds me of, you see. And Daniel next to him in the yellow kind of mustard shirt, he's the epitome of hopefulness and optimism and faith, you see. And then you go next to him and Will is like super faithful, hard worker. Johnny there right next to me with the big red beard. He's the hardest working man I've ever known. And he reminds me that God never sleeps and never slumbers, but he's always seeking, the spirit of the living God is always seeking the lost lambs of God. And I could just keep Dane next to him in the back there with the cap on. He's, he's like the most kind person you've ever met. And I could go on and on, but what I'm saying is that if my, if my brothers weren't becoming what God wants them to become, I don't know God in the same way, and I can't become what God wants me to become. I wonder how far we're stunted in our growth because individually we're not becoming God's dream for our life, is what I'm saying, because we're not overcoming. So how do you overcome? That, that, becomes, that becomes our question. How do, you over, how do you overcome? I want to overcome, amen? amen. I want to receive that, that name. Well, first of all, I'll tell you, you, you must be born again. That's the starting point. You must be born again. There was a preacher named George Whitfield, famous preacher um, out of Britain many, many years ago, and they said he could this was before amplification. He could preach to a crowd of 20,000 people without any amplification whatsoever. He had this voice that was just incredible. And he, one of the things he said, the historians say, he said over and over again in all of his sermons, you must be born again. You must be born again. There was a reporter that came to him afterwards, one of his sermons. He said, why do you keep saying you must be born again? You know what he said? He said, because you must be born again. <laughs> you got you got to be saved. You can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can't we're not talking about moral management here. We're talking about the new life of Christ inside of us. The song we sang said, let me tell you about my Jesus. He's the only one that can do it. And that's the starting point. You, you, you must be born again. The gospel is that Jesus died, rose again, but not just that. He died and he rose again. He ascended and he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts. Folks, that's the game changer. The indwelling, the spirit of Jesus in our hearts. So you got to be born again and you actually have to live by the spirit. Let's look in Galatians. Paul spells this out pretty good. So in verse 16, Paul says, so I say live by the spirit And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. So what we're talking about is how do we overcome? We got to live by the spirit. We got to be led by the spirit. Now he goes on, he says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Is this getting real for any of us thinking about this? Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before, That those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not be overcomers. They will not receive that name because they did not become what God dreamt for them to become. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you say that's a better list, right? Right? My old pastor said when he got saved, all the, when his family got saved, all the cats came home because they weren't so mean. And the family, you know, they were, they were kind and they were gentle. <laughs> Even the animals recognized it's a better way to live. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. C.S. Lewis has an illustration in his book called The Great Divorce about what hell might be like and he tells a story of a gal um, who, who grumbles a little bit and um, none of us would grumble ever I'm sure but she grumbles a little bit and, and she and everybody else notices that It's not that bad, but it's just getting a little bit worse day by day. A Little bit worse this year than it was last year. And what he says is that that would be no big deal if you only live 70 years. But what if you live 700 years? What if you live 7,000 years? What What if you live 7 million years? You see, every one of us in this room is gonna live forever. And by the end of this downward spiral and this digression, just a little worse year by year, there's nothing left, She just a grumble. And he says, hell's gonna be like that, where this list, sexual immorality, selfishness, drunkenness, all these things are gonna get worse and worse and worse, and worse, throughout the ages. Because that's pretty scary. But the fruit of the Spirit is something different. So love, and joy, and peace, and patience. So let's be honest with ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Are are you, am I, a more loving person this year than I was last year? Do I have more peace in my heart? You so say, that's not fair. It was a COVID year. No, no, no. Peace, peace surpasses circumstances. It's a character thing. Is there, is there more joy in my life right now than there was five years ago? You see, if I'm becoming an overcomer, if I'm walking with Jesus, then there ought to be more patience in my life now than there was 10 years ago or even two years ago. Now here's where I gotta I, I need some help because it's hard to self-evaluate sometimes, isn't it? So I gotta be honest and I gotta talk to my my best friend or my friends who were back on the screen, and I gotta I gotta ask them what, what's the trajectory of my life? Am I am I getting closer to becoming God's dream for me? Or am I veering the other way. It's very rare that we are sedentary. Right. It's very rare in the kingdom of God that we're sedentary, folks. We're moving one way or the other. So how do you, how do you become an overcomer? Well, you got to live by the spirit and you got to self-evaluate and you got to ask Jesus to help you. And here's, here's again where the gospel comes into play because you can't fix yourself. So if I'm grumbling more, and I'm less loving, that's like a check engine light, but guess what, you're not the mechanic. You can't handle this. There was, a, there was another lady that was homeschooling her kids and she said, I need more patience, these kids are driving me crazy. And uh, she kept praying for patience, just give me a little more patience as though it was you know something she could put in her pocket. finally, her preacher told her, you don't need more patience. Really, what you need is more Jesus. Because when Jesus comes in, guess what he brings? He brings so much patience. You don't actually need more peace. I mean, you do, but what you really need is more Jesus because he's the prince of peace. And so the gospel says, you don't have to fix yourself. What I'm asking us to do is to evaluate where are we at? What's the trajectory of our life? And if we want desperately to become that thing that he wants us to become, then all we do is we yield to his presence in our heart and our life. And he brings all those things. He's the only one that can shape us and form us and create in us a clean heart. Is what I'm trying to say. All right, we're moving. Moving quick here. One more, one more scripture. Maybe two, but probably one. How do we, how do we become overcomers? You must be born again. You must live by the spirit. You got a hunger for God. You got a hunger for God. You got a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Psalm 42, verse 1. In verse 2, says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Pastor said it so well. We're not here just to check something off our list and then forget about God for the rest of the week. Is there a hunger and a thirst for righteousness inside of us? Is there a hunger for God? I, I, I told Pastor, we, we got to chat a little bit. I, I got to do an elk Two weeks in September in Montana, and um, just fantastic experience. Um, wasn't successful in the sense we didn't we didn't bag a a, a bull. could have could have had a cow. The fellow I was hunting with didn't want a cow. I didn't quite understand that, but he wanted a bull, and that was it. He said it wasn't worth carrying out unless it was a bull. I ended up 15 yards from the six by six bull. Um, but I wasn't the shooter, I was calling at that point, but you talk about majestic, I was down looking up at that joker and he was, he was gorgeous, gorgeous animal. But we woke up at 3.30 every morning. We climbed at least 1,500 feet, if not 2,000, just to start chasing those jokers. You understand what I'm saying? That's 200 flights of stairs. We walked up 200 flights of stairs, except there were no stairs, just slippery rocks and deadfall, just to start our however many miles to chase them. And for the first, I don't know how many days, we didn't even see any. We heard a a bugle or two, but to be quite honest with you, they were so far away, I didn't know if it was another hunter or something. We might've been chasing ghosts, you know what I mean? And we did that day after day after day, and just because a couple of fellas had a passion to kill a bull elk, and the whole time I'm thinking, what if, what if my spirit was longing for God in the same way that I'm longing to do this elk hunt? Like, what if it was that kind of passion and that kind of hunger? And of course, you, you, you got different hobbies, you got different things that you do that that drive you, that, that compel you. What if we were that hungry for God? Well, the Holy Spirit can make us hungry for him. We're going to pray here in a second. I'll tell you that finally the last thing that we've got to have if you're going to be an overcomer is community. I'm not going to preach about this because um, with a number of you, we've got a whole session we're going to go into detail with this afternoon about community, but can I tell you that you can't do this by yourself? You can't do this by yourself. You have your individual relationship with God. I've made that clear. But if you go into that holy place with God and you come out like Moses with your face aglow with the glory of God and share the revelation of God, who he made you to be with your brothers, the corresponding truth is that if they need you to walk with God, then you need them to walk with God. Does that make sense? Like I showed you that picture of my friends, I, I need my brothers to know God so that we can know God and so that we can reflect God. And so if you're, I'm, I'm just appealing to you, if all you do is come on Sunday mornings, we, we need you to, to get plugged in. We need you to be a part of this community. Now, some of you, I, I get it, I understand maybe you do Bible studies, maybe you have community groups in different that aren't officially a part of Lone Star, and that's great, that's wonderful, but what I'm saying is that if your walk with God is only about you and God, then you're missing something. God made you to be a part of a family, a part of an army called the church, and you can't do this by yourself. If you want to be an overcomer, you've got to be a part of community. Let's stand together. How many of us in the room want to overcome and receive that name that God's strength for us? You and I were meant to glorify God. That's what we were made for, among other things, but that's, we were made to know God and then make him known. One of these days, I don't know what your name's going to be. I'll never know, but wouldn't it? Oh, man, it's so beautiful. Do you remember Jesus actually, the very first time he ever saw Simon, Simon Peter, we call him. The very first time he ever saw him, the first words that came out of Jesus' lips to that man was, you are Simon, son of John, but you shall be, you will be Cephas, which means Peter, which is translated rock, rock. He looked at this man, and if you know that story, he, he said, you, you are Simon, son of John. And Jesus was saying, I know everything about you. I know, I know what that name means. I know your reputation on the lake with the other fishermen. You're, you're a guy that's up one day and you're down the next, your foot in your mouth. You, you speak before you think. I know all about who you are. You are currently this, but you will be. You're going to be a rock. You're going to be the kind of guy you can build a church upon. You're going to be a rock. And he looks at all of us today, and he sees where we're at, and he sees where we can be, and he's got a dream for us that he's had all along. And we just got to be honest enough to say, am I more loving? Am I more joyful? Do I have more peace and patience? Am I more kind than I used to be? Do I have goodness inside of me at a a new level? Am I I gentle? Is there more faithfulness and self-control in me? And if we're not there, then we say, oh God, search me and know me. See my heart. Point out any way that's offensive to me, to you, in me, that's offensive to you and lead me in the way everlasting. So let's pray together. Lord, that's our desire, Lord. We want to become your dream for our life. Forgive us, Lord, for settling for so much less, it must break your heart when you look at the, the church, the church, the, the big church, the billions of people who declare your name in this world but who lack the potency of salt and light to the degree that you'd have us to be. So Lord, forgive us for individually stopping short. We, we desperately want to be overcomers, Lord. We desperately want that. We wanna receive that name that you have for us, that communication of your idea about who we could be and should be. You look at us and you, you see all of our potential that you placed inside of us when you imparted your image to us. And Lord, we wanna get that. We wanna become that. We wanna be that, Lord, for your glory. Now, if you don't mind, just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I said the first step in this thing is you must be born again. You see, Jesus came and he died on a cross, and that precious blood that he spilled was for the forgiveness of our sins. Isaiah said that he took those sins and he carried them. Peter says he bore our sins in his body on the tree. Paul says that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. If you've never been born again, if you've never been saved, if you know that you don't have a relationship with God, you're not right with God, and you're, you're tired of trying yourself to fix yourself. I'm telling you, Jesus can do what you can't do. And he wants to do what you can't do. Is there anybody in this church house today that would raise your hand and say, I'd, I'd like to be born again. I'd like to give my life to God. I'd like to have my sins forgiven. I'd, I want that. I want that. Anybody raise your hand and say, that's me, pray for me. Yes, sir. I see that. I see that hand in the back. Anybody, anybody else? If you raise your hand, if you if you don't mind holding your hand up, we're gonna we'll put a Bible in your hand if you need one, if you want one. Anybody that raise their hand and say, That's me, I want I want Jesus to come into my heart and my life. Thank you, folks. The ushers are coming down, and again, if you want a Bible, you just lift that lift that hand up. Now who who in the church would, would say, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about the trajectory of my life. I've given my life to God. I've been born again, but I'm a little bit concerned about who I'm becoming. And I want to become everything that God wants for me to become. And you just say, I'd like to pray with you, Eli, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me again and to help me. And to help me move forward. Anybody raise your hand and say, that's me. I think so many of us, yeah. So many of us. God bless you. Anybody else to join me in this prayer? I'm going to pray for us. And you just say before God, that's me. I, I want to become that. Jesus, you see our hands. You see our hands here. We want to live by the Spirit, Lord. And we pray that you'd fill us again, overflowing with your Holy Spirit. You said the rivers of living water could flow from us that would bring life and hope and health and healing. So Lord we ask you to develop that fruit of the spirit inside of us Lord. God, we want to be your dream for our life. We're thankful Lord that it's not as imp- it's not about what we're what we're doing in the sense of our position, it's about who we're becoming Lord and so we we offer our heart to you again. We say Lord, form us and shape us and continue to bring us closer to that dream you have for our lives. Lord, I trust that everybody in the sound of my voice here in this church house and also online today as we yield our our life to you and say we don't we can't be more patient but Jesus if you come in by your spirit you bring patience with it with you. You bring joy, you bring peace. You you bring the presence of God that transforms everything. We trust, Lord, that everybody within the sound of my voice is going to be an overcomer and be there in heaven one day and receive that white stone with that new name. It's a reflection of your dream for us, Lord. We want to become that. So we yield ourselves to you. God, ask we ask you to put a hunger in our heart and a desire for community. Help us, Lord. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So my, my, my hope is that we don't leave here with any sense of condemnation, but with hope in our hearts. Did we we accomplish that? Everybody hopeful? You want to be what God wants you to be? I do too. I do too. So may the Lord bless you and make his face to shine upon you.